0: Welcome to the Citizens Youth
1: podcast.
2: Citizens Youth is a ministry of Life Point Church in Vancouver, Washington.
1: Citizens is a community of students who are learning to live for Jesus.
3: We meet every Wednesday at 7 p.m.
1: To find out more, check out lpcvan.com forward slash youth.
3: Okay, um, I'm
4: reading Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright and the congregation. Great are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them. Full of splendor and majesty is his work, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him, and remember, he remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his work, he has shown the people the power of his works, in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trust, trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever.
1: Give it up for God's word. And so whenever God does something big, His people, they would study it, and they would talk about it, and they'd go, dude, what did God do? Tell me about it. They would tell their children because they did not want to forget. They did not want to go one, two, three, four weeks after camp and completely forget. Oh yeah, God did something. So they would talk about it and they would share it and they would put it into song. Like if we really want to be biblical, we can like create a song of like who's gonna share first? Like Emma's gonna come up here and share. We could create like the song of Emma, right? And they'd put it in the Bible and it'd be like the Lord did things. Crash, trumpet call. It was awesome. So we won't do that. We're just, we're not there yet. We're not writing inspired scripture. So we'll just talk about it. And so for the next few moments, we're going to have some students come up and share. Then we're going to pause after a few and we're going to sing because how can you not just sing when you hear what God has done, right? And so we'll hear a few students. We'll hear actually from a leader as well. We'll sing and then uh, we'll just have an awesome night. You guys ready? So let's welcome up Emma Jones as she comes up and shares part of her story.
5: So sorry if this is a little rocky. I found out a little while ago that I was going to do this. So no prep, but we'll go with it. So I guess I'll just start off with where I started. So I grew up in a Catholic church and was going since I was born, got baptized when I was two months old. So not by choice, but I am glad that I was introduced to God early, but I wasn't invested. I would go to church because my parents would go and I wasn't old enough to stay home alone. And I would, was forced to go to Sunday school and to CCD on Wednesdays. And I didn't have a passion for it. And so I found myself dreading church and dreading going to church. So then we had moved a bunch of times and always were finding new churches, but still never felt connected. And then when I was 10, my parents got divorced, and my dad, I didn't talk to anymore, and so, and he never was the one who wanted to go to church, it was always my mom, and if any of you know the Catholic Church, it's like a big no-no to get divorced, or to um, go against any of their rules, because they're pretty strict, and so my mom kind of didn't feel welcome anymore, which is understandable, so our family kind of stopped going to church altogether, and Uh, I was 10, so I was still dealing with, like, divorce and trying to figure out what it was. Like, did I I do something? Or could I have helped their marriage? That whole thing. And so I wasn't focused on going to church. I didn't really think about it anymore. And just started investing myself in school and into my sports. So I'd play club basketball on the weekends, so we were always gone pretty much. So Sundays weren't an important day for me anymore. It was just like, oh, the last day of a tournament. And so then... I guess I just started to feel like something was missing. Once I was over my parents' divorce and was like, that was best for them, and it does not I didn't do anything, I like, came to terms with that, um, I felt something missing. And so I was like, There's, I couldn't figure out what it was. It took me such a long time. So I was trying to, I was like, oh, I don't have a hobby. Like, I can pick up something else. I play three sports, but I don't have something I do for like fun. I play my sports because I'm competitive and I like them, but I don't do anything for fun. So I tried to pick up a hobby like, didn't connect to anything, it was, I can, if you want to know what they were, they were, like, super lame, but I can tell you them later, Um, and so, no, I'm not gonna say it, oh my gosh, okay, this is so embarrassing, so I was, um, oh my gosh, okay, so I didn't know what to do, and I was, like, so I, like, googled hobbies, and I was, like, what's cool, and I was, I think I was in seventh grade, and I was, like, collecting quarters came up, and so I was like, I'll get all 50 quarters. Like, I'm planning on doing that, and then I had, like, 10 of them, (laughs) and my mom's like, why do you have those in your room? Like, they're on a stack, and I was like, oh, I'm collecting them now, and she's like, since when have you been doing that? And I was like, well, I just think that a hobby is going to be really good for me, and I can invest myself, and I'm, like, always on the go looking for something, and she's like, that's kind of lame, and so I was like, okay, so I put that aside, and then Um, My sister started going to Young Life, which probably many of you know, and so I went with her one time, and Young Life is such a great introduction to Christianity and to um, God's Word, so I went a couple times, and it really reaffirmed my faith, and I felt so full afterwards, and so I kept going to that, and I was like, oh, and I kind of came to the realization like that was what I was looking for, and so I... But that wasn't enough for me. And so, because we talk about, in Young Life, if any of you ever gone, we talk about God's Word, like, actually going into the Bible. We talk about it for about 10 minutes. We don't really go into in depth like we do in a typical youth group. And so, junior year, I was hungry for God, but didn't know how to get involved, didn't know what church was for me, didn't know what I would like in a church. And so, uh, I had an English class with one of my good friends, and we... Like became quick friends, but then we were talking about religion one day, and I just was telling her like what my journey was, and so then she was like, Well, why don't you come with me? And so she invited me to come to Life Point. And I'm forever grateful to her for that because that opened the doors to so many things and to um, my relationship with Christ just got so much stronger. And through that, I've like been going to Life Point for about a year now. And God has shown me so many different things. He's shown me that a community is so important and that going through it alone was not something that was healthy or something that I should have had to do. And had I had a community, I'm sure I would have recovered from my parents' divorce or any other things that were hard in my life much quicker. And he has shown me that I'm good enough and that I'm worthy. And I think that LifePoint and... Reconnecting with God and making the decision for I'm one of the ones getting baptized, not this week but next week. And um, (laughs) um, I think just reconnecting with Him was so important in my life, and it definitely came at a time when I was so lost and God that was God's path for me. It was for me to get lost and then to find a home where I'm comfortable and I'm safe and I can continue to learn about him and continue to seek him every day. So, yeah.
1: That's good. One more. Should we do one more? One more. Miss Hoover, come and sing your song.
6: I'm really nervous, sorry. (laughs) Um, So some of you, I wrote it down, that's easier. (laughs) So some of you like might know part of my story because I, after winter camp, I decided I wanted to share, but it was like kind of late. And so there wasn't enough time for me to share. So I really wanted to like get it out there. And so the best way I thought of doing that was like, oh, I'll just post it on Instagram. So I was mostly thinking about like people from like my family and my youth group would see and stuff, but I wasn't thinking about people in school. And so this involved a lot of stuff and part of that was my addiction with um pornography and I was also struggling with anxiety and depression where I was um sorry (laughs) suicidal for three months and one night in January I actually held a bottle of melatonin and and tried to convince myself not to take the whole thing and just something in me like whispered to hold on and (laughs) sorry um so soon after that I actually had the will to like live and like I went to winter camp and the theme was like made new you know and so like I had this like new outlook and like new hope of like wanting to live again but like um I wasn't thinking about people from school seeing my testimony and so there was this kid that would like give me a really hard time about it like he would like tell people that I watched pornography and like whisper porn watcher in my ear and stuff and like it made my anxiety a lot worse in like social situations and stuff and then um I just started to, like, hide everything again and, like, almost like I was when I was, like, suicidal before. And someone told the counselors at school that they thought I was, like, having a hard time. And so they pulled me out of first period one day and I had to, like, tell them everything. And so they suggested I start seeing, like, a professional counselor to, like, get help. And, um... So I thought, like, I got excited because I thought, you know, like, it's finally going to get better. Like, I've been dealing with this for so long, but I've, like, always been a church kid, so I felt like I didn't deserve, like, my anxiety attacks and my depression and everything. And so I got really mad when I'd been going to counseling for a while, and it just didn't feel like it was going better. Like, I had, like, a lot of doubt at God, like, for His plan for me. Like, why would He let me go through this when I've, like, I've been the church kid, you know? Like, I've always, like, loved Him, and, like, like I did some stuff, but, like, I let my addiction go, and I didn't do that anymore. And so I tried to feel, like, prove to him that I was, like, good enough. Like, I tried to be, like, perfect. But really, I feel like the only person I was, like, probably doing it for was myself. Because I wanted to feel like I was good enough for something. Like, I felt like I wasn't good enough for, like, God. Because he was, like, I still had like, my anxiety and depression and everything. And so I pushed myself too far. Like, I tried to get, like, all A's and everything. And, like, it wouldn't be hard for me. But, like, I took physics last year. And we had a teacher. <laughs> she was it was rough, and so I got down on myself more because, like, I felt like I still wasn't good enough because I couldn't do good, and there was other kids that were doing good. And so, like, it wasn't even just about like being smart or whatever; like, it was also about um, like if I was like pretty enough or if I had enough friends or whatever. And so, like, even if I like looked at myself in a mirror, or, like, saw myself in a picture before I even like looked at it, I would just say like, "ew," you know? Like, I was always like hating on myself, and like I used any chance I could to like put myself down, um, which it <laughs> Didn't do anything better, you know. It made my like anxiety worse because I was worried I wasn't good enough. Like it made my depression worse because I told myself I wasn't enough. But like at camp, <laughs> it was so amazing. It felt like it was like like just for me. Like it gave me this great reminder to like follow Jesus instead of my desire for like perfection and acceptance and approval. Like I let go of my anger at God and like my doubt of His plan for me. And it was actually like really freeing to like give Him control and like not have like an official plan. Like, all right, this is the way my life's gonna go. And like, I'm really, I almost didn't go to camp because I was really worried. Like my cabin, there's a lot of people coming. And so I was worried that like, we would get like split up and stuff. And I was like, man, if we get split up, Then I'll have like a different leader and I'm not going to want to share and it's not going to be good and like it's just crazy how God works stuff out because we didn't end up being together and that was great but like even before camp like I was talking to Allison about it and she sent me this text and it said just remember no amount of anxiety or regret can change the past and no amount of anxiety can change the future and like I don't know where she heard that but I'm positive like there was like God in like a way that she sent me that text like it was just like crazy how much he like works stuff out and like knows like in that moment like that was what I would need And, like, at camp, like, Gabrielle's dad, he gave, like, a breakout session about, um, like, it was called, like, Dear Anxiety, It's Me, Faith. And so it was, like, another reason to say that, like, God truly does know us better than we know ourselves. And, like, he knew that I would need that, and I had the best plan for that. And so, yeah, I'm really glad I went to camp because it, like, I really need the reminder to start following, like, God's plan for my life again instead of making my own. And, like, God is so good, and I'm so glad I get to live my life for him. And, yeah... (laughs)
1: Man. You know what stands out to me about that story is that, like, in the world, like what she said about those dudes in her school that, you know, made fun of her and stuff, like, in the world, you don't share your past, right? Like, in the world, you don't share your junk, you don't confess your shortcomings because they'll hold it against you, right? If you admit your weakness in the world, they will take that and they will condemn you. But here's the difference right we're right now for those of you who haven't been here we're in the middle of a series called tale of two kingdoms and here's how the kingdom of god differs from the kingdom of the world we don't have condemnation for our sin cody put that put that scripture if we have it this is romans chapter 8 verse 1 it says therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus And so we're more than conquerors over our sin. So when we stand up here and we confess our sin and we talk about things that we've struggled with, like we can talk about those and Tiffany can talk about those without going, man, wasn't I so messed up? We can talk about it and go, yeah, like I don't feel embarrassed. I don't have shame because God no longer looks at me based on those things, right? Right? I can can admit, yeah, I was a porn watcher. Like when somebody whispers that in your ear, porn watcher, you're right, dude. Yeah, it was pretty bad. But like Jesus loves me anyway, right? And I don't have to be ashamed. I don't have to hide those things because he loves me in spite of those. And so you'll notice a theme throughout our testimonies. We're a confessing people. We live very transparently. For those of you who are new to citizens, we don't hide things. We live in the light. We're very transparent because we know that God's acceptance of us isn't based on it. Is that not good news? Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. How many people here, show of hands, how many of you have ever read a biography? Biography? Whoa! All right, keep your hands up if you actually read the biography and didn't just look at the Spark Notes or the Wikipedia. All right, good, good, good. So you read a biography, hands down. So you're familiar with the format of a biography. A biography usually goes something like this. Let me tell you my story. It all started when I was a little Nino. And I was struggling. Life was messed up. It was pretty hard. And then I said, you know what? I want to be awesome. And so I worked hard. I eat right. I play sports. I work out. I'm awesome. In conclusion, be like me. Tim Tebow right? That's not true. But right, that's usually the format of a biography. I once was whatever. I once was horrible, but now because of what I did, dude, I'm awesome. And then it usually ends with some cool, cool application of like, and you could be awesome too. <laughs> There's a reason why we don't call this night biography night, right? Because first of all, it would be a long, long night. And second of all, because our stories are not about us. Tiffany didn't step up here to tell you how she went from being not awesome to being awesome. She stepped up here. Emma stepped up here to tell you not the story about how she became awesome, but the story of how awesome God is. The hero of the story is not a high school student. The hero of the story is not a middle school student. The hero of a story is God who has interrupted human history and has completely changed the ending of your story. And so students, as you're sitting here and you're moved and some of you are even getting emotional and you're like, dude, that's such an awesome story. Don't be confused. The goal of these stories are not to say, be like Tiffany. The goal of these stories are not to say, be like Emma. The goal of these stories is look how amazing God is. Look at what he can do when people come to him. And then the conclusion, the application is not, be like me. The application is like, you are like me and you need him because only he can save us. Sound good? Does that make sense? Do you guys want to continue to hear about the hero of the story? All right, let's hear from a dude this time, Mr. Mikey Morales. Come and break it down for us.
2: Hey guys. So I can't really remember when I was baptized, five-ish, six, sweet. So when I got baptized, I didn't really know what it meant. But I knew that it made me new in the body and my spirit. But as I got older, I didn't feel God as much as I should have. I didn't seek Him. I didn't know really who he was. And then my sister went to camp with Savannah a couple times. And she came back. She's like, hey, dude, go to winter camp. So I went to winter camp. And I did not want to go. I knew no one in my cabin. The leader looked hold like a chach. um he i mean he didn't to me he didn't look like the guy that would help me through my problems not being a not being a true christian so (laughs) (laughs) so as the as the week went on i got to know these guys and i got to know god a little bit more and i got to got to uh, got to know who God was in my life and how he actually helped me. Because before I would pray and I'd think something big would happen, but it never did. So I'm like, where is God? Who is he to me? And he's not even helping me, so is he, he's been there. So I struggled with my faith for so long. And honestly, if I did not go to winter camp, my faith wouldn't be saved right now. But through the talks and through the group, I got to know God, and I seek God a little bit more after winter camp, but then come summer camp, I got to know the guys 10 times more. These guys helped me through any problems we had, um, not being strong in faith, and just not knowing God. So we had a deep talk about what it is to be a man, and a man of God. And one of the big things I took away from it, is that a man isn't just a guy who seeks the Lord, and who tries to be the best guy he can. It's someone who cares for others and is always searching for God, not just, hey, I'm going to read my Bible a couple times a day. And that's what I was doing. So, what I got out of this camp was that I'm not a man. I made so many mistakes and I failed as a Christian. So just to end it, because it's, like, super short. I want to thank everyone in my cabin and everyone who helped me and I got to talk to, and especially Sam and Jake for preaching just amazing messages and amazing band. So, yeah. Thanks, guys.
1: Dude, we were at camp, and Max and the band, they taught us this new song, and, like... (laughs) Jake actually commented it because it was so true. He goes, where else do you go? And you hear a bunch of high schoolers singing a song. And this is the lyrics. We probably can't get them on this short notice. But the lyrics were essentially this. I'm a loser. No one wants me. I'm hopeless. And I'm an orphan without a home. Wait. I'm cold and starving. I'm lonely and hopeless and trembling. I'm desperately lost. Next. I'm an outcast orphan, and we're the ones no one wants. (laughs) Dude, I challenge all of you. If you accept this challenge, I will shake your hand. I challenge all of you to make that your Instagram description. (laughs) Tonight, no explanation. Just let it sit there, right? He goes, I've never been in a community of students that just like sings that proudly. And it wasn't like, nobody's sitting there going, I know, I'm lonely and hopeless. Like, dude, there was like snot in tears. Like, I'm lonely, I'm hopeless. Nobody wants me. But then it gets to the the, the main line here. Go next, go next. But like, here's, here's where the shoe drops though. Here's the butt, right? Ooh, that's a good one. Too soon, too soon. The next lyrics. The lyrics basically, but like, but you, were a, but you adopted us. Yeah, I was an orphan, but you adopted us. Yeah, I had no people, but you made me your own. You adopted us in and you gave us a home. Those rhyme, own and home, nice. You know what I'm saying? And so like hearing Mikey stand up here and be like, you know what I learned at camp? I'm not a man. I'm not even a good Christian. Like I don't even follow God well. That's Okay. That's a good place to be, Mikey. That's a good place for all of us to be. Because if we're too busy trying to keep on the masks, and they go, no, no, look at me, I'm a good boy. It's like, dude, you're not being real. Just let's let's let God tear the masks off. Let him expose our sin. And then as we're exposed and we're humble, then we are in a position to do the only thing we can do. Bring our brokenness to God. And say, God, I'm not a man, but would you make me a man? God, I'm not pure. Would you make me pure? God, I'm not faithful. Would you give me faith? And we come and we lean on him, right? We lean on him, friends. This is, this is good. We, should we keep going? Oh, I love this. Hey, if you want to share your story, but like we haven't talked, I'll, I'll go to the back of the room during the next one. You can just come and flag me down and we can talk. But let's do another one. Are you ready? You ready, Ms. Fuentes? Mira, Fuentes, come sing it, okay?
7: okay um i'm just gonna straight up read what i read what i wrote from my phone so a lot of people have that one thing that they struggle with and for me personally that was vulnerability i hate it it's uncomfortable it's horrible whether it was just like asking for help or reaching out to someone else i'm normally a quiet and reserved person so i've always had a problem with it My past sins and struggles only made me even more reluctant to let my guard down because I didn't want to get uncomfortable and have hard conversations with anyone. It was up until um, about six months ago when it got so bad that it got really hard to even speak out loud, like about literally anything. I was always so much in my head, and I grew to be frustrated about it because I thought this was the way it will always be, and nothing can change that. But like during winter camp, um, God placed uh, Denae in my life, in which I was able to be um, 100% vulnerable with, and I've grown to be a lot more vulnerable with my small group, and I started to feel real, like really comfortable with knowing that I didn't have to pretend around them. Uh, But the thing was, like I still hated speaking up like anywhere else, where there was people who didn't know me like my small group and my leaders did. But um, as time went by with the help of God speaking to me in multiple services and especially the academy, I realized that it wasn't about me anymore. It wasn't about whether I wanted to get uncomfortable. And I realized that I couldn't be so selfish with my comfort anymore. And then I started to question myself constantly. um, How can I grow as a follower of Christ if I'm not willing to be vulnerable? And like how can I be what God has called me to be if I'm not willing to get uncomfortable? And, like, lately um, God has put new people in my life to help them grow closer to him, especially during summer camp. And for me, um, that shows a little bit of vulnerability because it take, it took some level of me letting my guard down in order to help them go um, be with Christ, you know, have a relationship with him. But in all honesty, I'm just glad that uh, God pushed me and challenged me as much as I hated it, or else I wouldn't be that person, wait, or else I wouldn't be that person He's helped me become today and in the future. And um, I was talking to my leader about how nervous and how uncomfortable was uh, I was about standing up here and talking. And uh, she pointed out the verse um, Mark 10:27, which said, Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. And being raised um, in a Christian home and being exposed to this truth constantly, I've always overlooked the context of this verse like most of my life, and it never really sunk in, and I didn't truly believe in it. But now I realize that if it wasn't for God's will and it was all up to me, I wouldn't be taking this pretty huge step of, standing here and being open with you guys and sharing about what God has been doing in my life.
1: So uh, one of the coolest things about coming back from camp is that, um, dude, we take like a lot of leaders. Do you guys love your leaders? Can you thank them? It's you, it's you, it's you. Dude, we have we have. Over 50. Actually, I looked at the list this morning. I don't know how it happened. It was 60. There was like 10 leaders that snuck in there last minute. Janelle. (laughs) Yeah. Janelle was like 11 by herself. Uh, Yeah, we had 61 total people, including band members and and rec staffers and cabin leaders. And um, the coolest thing for me is that when I come home and I'll hear, I'll talk to a leader and I go, dude, how'd it go? And they're like, oh, it was great. I love the students. But dude, God really said to me, boom. Or dude, God really just talked to me, boom. Or it's like, do you understand that when you turn 18, it's not like you stop learning, and now it's like, listen here, kids, listen to Jesus. It's like, no, dude. Jesus, I mean, I hope I don't sound like that. I did, actually, when I preached on Monday, didn't I? Yeah, I lost my voice, and then tried to preach a sermon, and I was like, I should have just, like, prayed, like, silently. Um, But I'll talk to leaders, and, like, every time, I'll always hear from leaders, dude, God actually, like, blew my face up you know like God really taught me some things about myself and he really spoke to me and so it's fun when we do these stories to not just hear from students but to hear from some staffers so I'm gonna invite Tessa to come down and uh, tell you a little bit about what Jesus did in her life.
8: Hi guys so every single camp when we come back and we do the stories I love listening to you guys and always think, man, I should share. Like, I've never actually shared my testimony. And so I'm a leader, but hey, I definitely am still growing. Like Sam said, it doesn't stop when you turn 18. You're still growing, you're still learning in your faith. So I just wanted to share my testimony mainly, um, I mean, it's to show what God has done. This isn't to say, hey, I was here, and I th- because I did this, I got better. It's to say that, hey, this is all because of God. Nothing I'm about to say is because of me. So this year of summer camp gave me a fresh glimpse of God in the gospel. Um, I've been a Christian since sixth grade, but I feel like now, like, I'm all in. Like, the seed has been planted on good soil, and I'm willing to give everything to Jesus, not just, you know, add on. So growing up, um, my family went to church, but we were basically Sunday Christians, so we would go to service every Sunday, and as soon as we got in the car afterwards, you know, we were just... There was no talk of God. There was no living out the gospel. So I was kind of confused with faith like that. I thought I would just go to church, act good. You had your church friends, you had your school friends, and it was just something you did, You know, something you added onto your life, another check on the schedule um, and not something that really impacted you beyond that. Um, yeah, so growing up, my family um, wasn't the best. I've always had a bad relationship with my dad. Um, He's easily angered, violent, didn't treat my mom or us well. Um, This example of a father in my life negatively impacted my view of God the Father from a very early age. Anytime we would sing songs about a good father or have a sermon, you know, on Father's Day about good fathers, it made me angry. I never related to it because for me, God as a father was a negative thing. So the first time I began to experience depression was in fifth grade. Um, I was homeschooled. Um, didn't really go to church, didn't have any friends. I was just alone at home all the time. Um, of course, being at home, my parents were constantly fighting. My dad was yelling at us and is being mean. And as a young girl, it really impacted my self-esteem to h- hear my dad just say super negative things to me all the time. Um, so fifth grade, during this time, I also discovered pornography, quickly became addicted as a way to escape my depression, though it never failed to make me feel worse instead. I started going to this fair youth group in sixth grade. That February I went to a youth conference and Generation Unleashed, we took about probably a youth group of 30 at the time over. And I felt like during that conference is when I really accepted Jesus for the first time. And it wasn't something my parents did Um, when we went to church on Sundays. It was my own personal faith and I wanted to own it as my own. Um, So I was baptized here at LifePoint Church at the age of 12. After this, I dove into my new faith with incredible enthusiasm. I would lay in bed for an hour or two like every night and just read my Bible and take notes and journal. Um, I would go to church regularly, and I, w- I had this hunger for God that I'd never experienced before. But looking back on it, I feel like the seed was um, sown in shallow soil, so it grew up really fast. And then it just as soon as trials came, um, it withered and it died. Throughout middle school and all the way until junior year, things were somewhat steady. I went to church, I read my Bible, um, but it was mainly to make me feel good, like to you know put a check on the box, like I read my Bible, you know things are going good, like I'm an okay person. It wasn't really to actually grow in my faith. So I still struggled with my dad during this time, and actually it was in the November of junior year um, there was a violent dispute, and I had to call the cops on my dad. And you know as a 17 year old girl that was incredibly emotionally scarring experience for me. Um, that was a trigger that sent me into um, years of severe depression and being suicidal. Um, I began to question my own life. The only reason I stayed in church during this time um, was because of my involvement in the band. Um, if I didn't have a place to serve, if I didn't have a place to feel like it was where I belonged, I probably would have you know, stopped going and not had a place to call home. So winter of senior year and then last winter as well, my depression became so acute and severe Um, that I became suicidal. I genuinely thought everyone would be better off if I wasn't alive. During this time, I also found myself occasionally relapsing into pornography, began to dabble with alcohol and futile attempts to ease the pain and the numbness that I felt continually. I was so angry at God and bitter towards life. I thought that he didn't care. I thought that he had abandoned me. I would pray, God, you know, if you're there, take this away. Like, I've had enough of this. I can't do this anymore. I would just pray over and over again. Like, I know you're real. I know you can help me. Like, But he, nothing ever happened. And so I began to doubt that he was real. I began to doubt that he loved me and he cared about me. Um, but for whatever reason, through God's grace, I kept coming to church, kept coming to church and kept being in community. And um, that's probably the reason I made it through that. Um, last December, I ended up in the ER as a result of this severe panic attacks resulting from depression medication that went wrong and I truly hit rock bottom I remember laying in the hospital bed and I was like if this happens again like I'm going to kill myself like I can't do this anymore Um, like I said it was only by the grace of God that I made it through it was nothing in my own power I was like utterly hopeless I had no strength left but it was only by God that he kept pulling me through so after another fight with my dad in January um, I moved out Finally, I moved on to campus in Multnomah, and I live in an apartment there now um, with one of my friends. Um, I continued to learn about God at school, and I spent more time with friends. After months of counseling and medication, my severe depression slowly began to lift. During these last few months, God was at work in my heart when I didn't realize it. He was molding and shaping it for the work he was going to do. It had been so long since i had even read my Bible or prayed. The only time I read my Bible was when it was for an assignment. I had to do a Bible college. Um, I wasn't absorbing everything. It was just going straight to my head. Um, But it was through that knowledge that God slowly began began to transform my heart. At camp, honestly, it was like I heard the gospel again for the very first time. I realized that in all of this, God was with me. I didn't have to prove myself or be a better person before he saved me. I didn't have to clean myself up. I didn't have to go read my Bible or, you know, feel better or be happy to go to God. I was, I could simply come to him as I was. I realized then I didn't have to prove myself. His work was finished at the cross and it was the ransom for all my sins. It's gonna be a journey, but I know that right now I'm giving it all to follow Jesus. I did nothing, God did everything. And like the song we just sang, Made Alive, I was alone and hopeless. There was nothing in my power I could have done to make my situation the way it is now. God was working in my life and in my heart. When I was convinced he was gone or indifferent to my suffering. Don't give up, guys. The one thing that I learned kind of through my experience was that the silence of God does not equal the absence of God. There will be seasons of your life where you feel alone and when you'll pray and God's not going to answer your prayers. And you might feel like he doesn't care he's a, or you're all alone, but he is there. He's just working. It's a season. He uses those difficult times to grow your faith. Like, if it was in shallow soil, um, you know, the seed grows up and then it dies. You know, trials produce perseverance, and per- you know, perseverance, it ends up, you know, producing faith in us. So I just wanted to end by reading a verse um, that really has helped me kind of in these dark times, um, and Jake actually read it at camp. It's Romans eight thirty five through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Know, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love that God has in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you, guys.
1: I love, the, uh, I love how, like, all of these have in common, like, the power of community. You know what I mean? Like, when people are saying, God helped me, it's not often, like, he just, like, did this, like, hand out of the sky, and he's, like, bloop, right? Like, he uses his hands. They're called you guys, you know? His hands and his feet, the body of Christ um, is a really, really key part of these testimonies. Uh, mm, let's do one more. Let's do one more. Uh, where's Alex? Alexandra, are you ready? Come on up here. This is Alexandria. She just came to her first citizen's camp and she's awesome.
0: Okay, so I'm also really nervous. Um, I haven't talked in front of a bunch of people in a long time. So um, when I was nine, I was baptized and when I was nine, I was like, baptism is awesome. It's like the Christian thing to do and like who doesn't do it because it's like the Bible says to do it. So I did it, but then But, like, when Jake spoke on Sunday night at camp, I realized that I was so wrong. It has so much more. And now I realize that, like, baptism has just, like, this bigger meaning. And it's so hard to explain. Yet it's, like, once you get it, you just get it. And I am ready to get baptized again. But I'm not going to get baptized on August 13th because I want more time to get even deeper into baptism. So I am going to get baptized on the next time. So I'm really excited
1: for that. The next person that's gonna share, um, you've actually heard from him quite a bit, um, but I think many of you have not heard his story yet. And so for a minute or two, I wanna share with you my story. So um, it all started when I was in townhouse. Uh, But for real, though, my story started in many ways um, when I was 11 days old. And so I was born and I was addicted to crack cocaine, which means my mother was an abuser. She was a drug addict. Um, She did all that while I was born. So I was born and went through withdrawals. And so um, I was born and then my mother discarded me. She left. Um, She didn't want to have the child and she pieced out. And so whenever a baby is abandoned in the hospital, they get into the system. And so um, put that part of the story here. This couple, the Cassises, Ralph and Rose Cassis, they had a little girl. She was uh, she was born back in 76, and for 13 years, Ralph and Rose Cassis could not have a baby. Doctors said they were fine, everything was working. I mean, it was just there's no reason why they shouldn't have gotten pregnant. Um, but they weren't getting pregnant and they wanted more children. And, um, my mom, my, or Rose felt like God made her to be a mother. Right. And so they're just praying. They're kind of confused. They're discouraged. And then somebody comes along and says, have you ever thought about adoption? I never heard, like, I never even thought of that. That's never been on my radar. What are you talking about? And so they introduce her to the system. She gets in there. Boom. Her name is there. This kid is in the system for 11 days old um, and he needs to be nurtured, right? You can't just go to an orphanage as a baby. You need to be nurtured and fostered. So they call this lady and say, we have a, a brand new baby boy, uh, just born on August 11th. It was the year 1990. And they said, do you want us to bring him to you? And she said, absolutely. And so at 11 days old, I was brought to my, my, my parents' home and, um, I'll make a long story super short. That's, I've never left, right? And so I got married, I guess. Uh, But yeah, I was adopted, and whenever I'm tempted to think that I'm awesome, whenever I'm tempted to think about, man, I worked hard and all this, I just, like, the Lord reminds me, like, you were addicted to drugs sitting in a nursery in a hospital in the Bronx. What did you do again? You know? And like, here's the thing, like, when you're 11 days old, you can't audition for the family. You know what I mean? They're not like, all right, we're going to take this 11-day-year-old in, and we're going to see if he really has what it takes. Um, I'm glad it didn't work that way because I really didn't. Um, when you're a drug baby and you're going with, through withdrawals, you cry all the time at the top of your lungs, like blood curdling crying. And so my mom, man, she literally had to hold me at all times for like the first eight months of my life. Otherwise I would freak out and cry and all this stuff. And so I just think about, man, like how good God is that like he adopted me literally. He adopted me into a family Um, I would have never heard the gospel. I would have never been introduced to Jesus if I wasn't adopted. You know what I mean? Like I look back um, and this is a longer story. One day I'll maybe share more of it. But I actually, I thought this story was closed. Like I thought the last chapter was written and it actually just opened up again this past year. And I've met and learned about my biological family and learned my nationality, talked to my sibling. It's like unbelievable stuff. But I hear where they're at and I'm like, God chose me. Like, I hear what they're doing, and I hear what they're in, and I'm like, if God didn't choose me, like, I literally would not be here. I didn't audition for the team. I wasn't awesome. I wasn't, like, like a high prospect that God chose me onto his team. I literally had nothing, and God chose me. But here's the, the best part of my story, I feel like, is that he did this to me, and then he called me to spend the rest of my life telling people, about how God adopts us when we're discarded and disregarded and orphans and hopeless and don't have good fathers. Like, that's my story, man. God has saved me and he's made me a herald so that I can tell you guys from personal experience how unconditional the adoptive love of God is. And he's the hero of my story. And the best part is that it's not over. He's still writing my story, right? I'm not a finished product and saying, here you go, read me. No, I'm still in progress, but for the rest of my life, I'll be able to look back at what God has done. And I'm not, I'm not going back. Like, where else can I go? Jesus has saved me. There's literally nowhere else to go. And he's good. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to invite over my boy, the one and only, your friend and mine, Max Burchett. Come and talk to us.
9: Um, my name is Max, in case you didn't know. Um just a little bit about myself, I grew up in the church, you know, like most of you. Um, I had great family life, great um, um, great opportunities to learn about God, and so, you know, I've always known God, and I think not until, not until I got older did I really understand God and, like, have a relationship with Him, and so I've been coming to LifePoint um, since the beginning of freshman year, so I'm now going to be a senior, um, and yeah, LifePoint has been, like, most life-changing place for me um, in my life. And I'm so thankful for everyone, especially Sam. Um, yeah, and so, I'm not gonna you know, start from the beginning. I just wanna share a little bit of my life recently. Um, so, as you know, we just had summer camp and it was amazing for a lot of you. Um, it was very amazing for me as well. Um, I'm gonna start a little bit before summer camp. I just felt distant from God. Um, I was, you know, doing the right things, like making it seem like, you know, I had my stuff together. Um, But I just felt like I was growing apart from God. Um, I had unconfessed sin in my life. I just, um, yeah, I didn't, I was living for my own desires, really. And I didn't feel like I needed to have God in my life because I had a good life. Um, parents loved me, you know, easy living. It's, it was great, but I was missing something, like, deeper. And so going up to camp, you know, um, I just felt like I was holding things back from people, um, not really being who I was meant to be. And, um, yeah, I just felt like I was living in darkness a little bit so i was kind of getting moody with people just out of nowhere and it didn't make sense to me it's like what is going on with you dude and so um come a few weeks before summer camp i was really like i'm lacking the peace of god in my life and so you know i was just thinking about that a lot before summer camp and you know i prayed a couple times like lord give me give me your peace again but didn't really mean it necessarily um But then summer camp came and it was like God showed up like just out of nowhere really. Just blew me away. Um, It started with the sermons. Jake Jake did an awesome job, I'm so thankful for him and um, what he spoke into my life. And then what really got me was um, just the music, the musical worship. Um, Like Sam said that one song, like we're all garbage and when it hit me when those songs hit me I just felt like a total piece of crap and that was God moving in my heart and it was so awesome because I felt like a piece of crap but I knew it was because I felt God in my heart and that he was so good and like his his desires like I just felt an overwhelming joy and peace and On Sunday night of camp, like, it just hit me so hard, and I just couldn't stop crying and, like, laughing at the same, I couldn't breathe, there was, like, snot all in my nose. It was gross. Like, my shirt was all stretched out around the collar. But, yeah, and it was just so great to feel God's peace in me again. And it didn't feel, like, I felt, you know, you feel the camp high. It didn't feel like a camp high. It felt like a deep-rooted peace and joy in my life. And it's not like my circumstances changed. Like, I came home, and it's my same family, my same life. But there was, a, like, a deep changing in my spirit, and it was, it was amazing. Um, and so, yeah, um, this, this changing of heart, he's already, like, planning new desires in my life um, to continue to grow and be open for his plan, um, as I was living in darkness, like I said, I was living for my desires and kind of just putting God in the background, like, yeah, I'm I'm living for him, but I didn't have his desires in my heart, and so when I, I feel his desires now and, like, I'm more open to what he has planned for my life, like, I, you know, I'm planning to go to college, Um, I want to go to the same, like, so, like, so many simple things, but I had my mind set on these things, but now I'm like open to hearing what God has for my life. You know, do I want to go to college right away? Like all this stuff. And so, yeah, I'm just really open to hearing what God has for my life and excited for that now. Um, But yeah, I'm really, what I'm really excited about most is implementing um, close community. Like Pastor Sam and I have um, already met and it's, it's just been great to um, know that I have people supporting me and like helping me, asking the hard questions and continuing to grow and make sure that um, this piece is a lasting one. And I have all the tools to, um, yeah, just continue my walk with Christ. Um, I have a lot of work to do, you know, Um, I'm a senior and a huge part of my life is just like Sam says, earning those man bucks, you know, becoming a man. And yeah, I'm just thankful for all of you. Thank you guys.
1: Man, dude, here's, here's a fun challenge, right? Talking about the community and, and like setting yourself up to continue to grow. If you were at camp, here's my challenge. I want you to meet with your cabin, right? Bug your leaders, because they're already planning this. Every single one of you that went to camp, have a, cab- a cabin reunion in the next seven days. How fun does that sound? Do you guys want to do that? Let's do that. Bug your leaders, all right? Cabin reunion within the next seven days. And uh, the pressure is on. The pressure's on. I got you. I got you. All right. Um, Georgette Castillo. Come hither. Do you guys know Georgette? You may, you may not know Georgette. Um, she's never shared before. But uh, I want you to, before you share what the Lord has done in your life, like tell who brought you here and how you're connected.
3: Um, hey, guys. I'm Georgette. And, okay. <laughs> um... My, myself with God, I never, like, really felt so strong with my relationship with him. I grew up in church. Yeah, I went to church and everything. Like, I read the Bible when I was little, and I would go every Sunday. But then something happened. I don't know what happened, but my family, we got distant. And I couldn't drive myself. (laughs) I was, like, seven. So (laughs) I, I just. I gave up and I was like, okay, don't take me. I don't really care. Um, later on, uh, I started going again to the church that we left with my grandma, but it wasn't the same. I didn't feel welcome because my parents had recently gotten divorced. I felt like everyone thought I was dumb. I wasn't good enough. So I stopped going again. That was a year or two ago but then once again I stopped going to church altogether and then my two cousins Athlee and Eilish they they started bringing me back and it wasn't until like a couple months ago that I I really started to commit I love this church and there's no one here that has made me feel unwelcomed and everyone here has like been super nice, and coming into summer camp, I was really nervous because I didn't know my whole small group, so I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but then, like, the first night, we already all had all these inside jokes, and we were all laughing, and we said dumb things, but, <laughs> you know, it was all good. The second night, during the service, that's when stuff really hit me, I i kind of felt disappointed in myself because i don't know i felt like i wasn't doing enough to get closer to god like i was just doing the superficial things coming to church every wednesday being here singing but then when i was there that night i felt a change in me like i felt god soften my heart I cried a lot, I sang, I prayed, I I felt closer to him, and I guess that was kind of like part of the camp high, you know, but I want to keep this one going. I don't want to give up again. I don't want to be the one to be saying, hey, like, I, I want to be the person that's here and that's really into it. I don't want to just come and be like, oh, I have to go again. I want to be here because... God wants me here and like I want to be here and I want to learn more and I want my hunger for God to come and I just I was thinking about getting baptized but um I I don't think I'm ready yet I want to keep growing and I want to keep growing my relationship with him so next time I'm pretty sure I'm gonna get baptized so thank you all.
1: Emma, uh, Georgette, and a few others, I noticed this thing where it's like, when I was a kid, I learned about Christ and then, right? And it reminds me of Philippians 1.6, one of my favorite verses. And it says, I am confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And so it's like, even when our parents mess up and don't drive us, and even this, it's like, when God begins a work in you, even as a child, it's like, even if we forgot about it, he doesn't even forget about it, right? Like, even like the the little seeds of faith that were planted in your heart and CCD as a little kid, and then you move on and collect quarters, like, even through all of that, I'm sorry, I blew up your spot, but it was hilarious. Even through all of that, it's like, God didn't forget, and it's like, I'm confident of this, citizens. I'm confident no matter where you are in your journey, whether you're just getting started or whether you're in a high or low, I'm confident that God will bring the work that he started in you, he'll bring it to completion. And one day, the day of Jesus Christ, which we've talked about a lot, in Malachi and Matthew and all this, the day when we all stand before the Lord, I'm confident you'll be among us because he's faithful. He's so faithful. Uh, man, we're running out of time, but let's, let's just hear a few more stories because these are so good. Like I wish these were on Netflix. Um, Joshua Lipinski, where are you? Joshua Lipinski.
10: <laughs> so, did. Um, How are all you guys? Good. That's good, bro. Um, first off, I would like to just say uh, thank you to you all for just, like, being a family for me over these, like, three years I've known you guys. Um, it was really great, and like, I just want to say this because like, you know, life can just throw you a curveball sometimes, I don't know where I'm going to end up, nobody does, so like, that's why I really want to get up here and do this too, is because, what if I'm never able to do this again, like, what if I don't know you guys in a year, like, what if I move away, but, um, and I'd like for uh, all of us to give a clap to Jesus. It's Leet. Um... Okay, so some of y'all already heard my testimony, and it's cool. Just play along with it. Um, so I'm just going to start off, like, how I even became, like, a Christian, started coming to church. Like, so uh, my whole life, like, most of my life, not anymore, but uh, I was, a, like, a full-on, like, atheist. Like, um, at a young age, like, I thought, like, I- my mom would bring me to churches. I didn't really care. Like, uh I just sit there, you know, just be like, Can we go? Like, um in high school I was a full on atheist. I was best friends with the atheist. Like everybody knew that I went to union, my freshman and sophomore year. I just was proud and loud about it, like, who gives a crap about this guy? Like he's not feasible. I can't touch him, like you're not there. Like I wore upside down crosses, six six six, like all that stuff. You guys that went to union, you know. Um so like why I never really believed in God for me personally is because he wasn't feasible. Like for me, like I couldn't touch him. And uh a lot of the time, like when I think about him, like stuff would happen in my life, like big stuff's happened, little stuff's happened. Like when I got diabetes, when even little stuff argues with my mom, I'd be like, uh, peek-a-boo, where are you? Like, where are you, Jesus? Like, where have you been? Like this guy isn't real. But it was it was crazy because uh the first, like, the first time I came here, I didn't even want to come. Uh, it was all like a setup. I got finessed into coming. <laughs> um, so my brother, he was dating this girl that went here. Y'all know. And, uh, and he was like, bro, let's kick it. I got this girl that I'm dating. We can go over to her house. I was like, cool, dude. I never get out of the house. Let's do it. So, you know, we're chilling, having a great time. All of a sudden, she was like, okay, we got to go, church. I was like, excuse me? I was like, you really going to pull this card on me right now? I'm like, it's Wednesday, not Sunday. She's like, it's youth group, dude, bunch of young people. I don't like them people. (laughs) So I showed up. I wanted to ride home. Didn't happen. Um, Honestly, the first night I was here, I'll be real with you all. Like, this is offensive to some of y'all maybe, but I thought you're all stupid. Like, no, like, honestly, like, I was like, you guys are really raising your hands for somebody that's not even there. That was me. I was sitting in the very, very back where Sam couldn't see, oh, Drew was speaking, where Drew could not see me because I didn't want to be spotted. And I know some of y'all that go to uni were like scratching their heads like, why is this kid here? Like, I know him from school. Bro, that kid, uh uh-uh, that kid wears 666, upside down crosses like, what are you doing here? I was like, what am I doing here? So, uh, this is when it gets serious. So, I get picked up from my pops, and uh, he was pretty uh, faithful, you know, like, was really going to church, was just, like, having an amazing, like, um, I was brain farted, sorry, hold up, Uh, connection with God, that's okay. He was having an amazing connection with God, like, spiritually, like, right there. And I get in the car, my brother's in the back, he's like, my dad's like, how'd it go? Kane's like, oh man, it was amazing, blah, 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 this, blah, 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 that, I don't remember what they said, but anyways, he was talking about it, he comes to me, he's like, how'd you like it, dude, was it amazing? I said, no, I didn't like this. This man flipped, he literally flipped, like, I've never seen him so mad in his whole life, and it scared me, I was truly scared, like. He, like, we we're saying. and I told him this. I was like, dude, how do you believe in this? I'm like, why are you in on me? Like, I, I have the right to believe whatever I want. Like, why are you looking at me like this? And then he just, wow, backhanded me. No, like, seriously, like, backhanded me. Like, my hat went flying. So we get home. I go right inside. I tell my mom, your mans just hit me. Like, your husband just hit me. Like, he needs, like uh-uh, like, I'm not with this, and so they get in a huge, 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 huge argument, and it was scary, like, they were talking divorce, like, and my dad, well, I love my dad, like, he's my stepdad, but my dad's never really been in my life, so all thanks to him, he's an amazing person, he's like a giant teddy bear, I love the man, but anyways, this was like, so for this, for me, like, I feel like this was really, like, the devil trying to get back into my life, like, so pretty much what ended up happening is that they argued a ton. He was coming to the stairs saying, you're a little blah, 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 beep, beep. You know, it was crazy. Anyways, so I really, like, that night, I had a belt around my throat ready to go. I thought it was all my fault. Like, I was broken. I was deeply broken. I didn't know what to do with my life. It wasn't going anywhere anyways at the time. And, like, I was done. I was done. My pieces were on the ground, I was ready to go. Uh, both my parents weren't home, they both stormed out. I was by myself and I cried that whole night by myself. And it was honestly the first time, like I've always felt like beforehand, I've always felt alone, but this was like a new like loneliness that I felt like I've never been so alone. And it was just crazy, I went that whole week so depressed. And then the next Wednesday rolls around and you know, I didn't want to go, but something really, really pulled me into coming. I, I went up to my mom. I said, hey, moms. How's your day, Josh? It's good. You know, so uh, don't ask. Don't don't even say anything, but can you, can you take me to youth group? Yeah, what's that? Just don't ask, mom. I'm going. Just be quiet. Drive me. Thank you. So... Um, we ended up. Sh- I I showed up to youth group, you know, again, sat in the very back where Drew couldn't see me, and he just preached something that touched my heart. And this is bad, but I can't really remember it, but it did touch my heart. And so, so he said it, and everything just came to me. Like I felt God. It was feasible to me. Like I didn't have to. Like he wasn't there, but he, you know, he was there. Like, I truly felt him. Like, it felt like all this weight was lifted off my shoulders. And it's crazy at that time when you're just so broken and driven into the ground that God can come and pick up your pieces. And it just, that's what driven me to, like, believe in God. That's what makes me come here every Wednesday. That's what makes me root my, get rooted into this community. And, like, truly after I became a Christian, I felt so many voids in my life. But It was crazy. What happened so the first th- the first void that went in my life I was like oh I had a best friend at the time they atheist his best friend I was like there's this new great thing church you want to come no you're stupid that's what she said straight to my face I was like what so anyways um she didn't want to come I lost my best friend but what's crazy is there's this big void in my heart. I would have my best friend. You know what God did? He gave me you guys. Yeah. Bam. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Number two. I'm giving two examples, so listen closely. <laughs> All right. So back when I was an atheist, you know, I had a hard time feeling like somebody loved me because, like, Hard time with the father, never had a relationship with him. My mom's, she loves me, but that's your mom. Like, obviously, she has to love you. And then, uh, so, I wanted to feel love from somebody else. So, I had a huge, everybody's, like, this sounds bad, but I feel like everybody has their small addictions that they need to battle. But I had a huge addiction to talking to girls. I would talk to multiple girls at once, you know, make them fall in love with me. I don't know how. Uh, But it was bad. I'll fess up to it. It was a bad point in my life. But it felt good at the moment for me. And it's crazy because I came to church. And something, I was like, I have this void in my heart. You know, like, if I want to follow Christ, I need to bow my demons. So I had a void for love in my life. But Jesus said, I got you, bro. I love you. And so that's what really changed my life. And, like, he does this every single day. I feel like I have voids in my life, and he just comes and fills them. He fills them with his greatness. So, that's just a little piece of my story, and uh, thank you for letting me share. Oh, man, dude.
1: Man, how many weeks before we get Josh Lipinski to just preach the whole sermon, huh? How many of you are gonna come and listen to Josh preach? Yo. He's a natural, man. He's a natural. Well, listen, guys, we have so many more stories, but we're, we're out of time here. So why don't we end by singing? Can we sing together? Can we raise our voices to the hero of the story one last time? All right, stand to your feet. Let's do it.